Welcome to the Marxist Think Tank podcast, an attempt to look at the world from a class-conscious perspective and to build. Today on the podcast, we have Maggie Hansen, a member of the MTT, talking about the MTT, as well as the Australian bushfire crisis. And later, we have Paul Cockshot, a computer scientist, member of the MTT, talking about his green five-year plan for the UK. But first, the top stories of the past week. A 24-hour strike has paralyzed parts of India as millions take to the street. Protests arose from changes the Modi government has made to labor policies. These policies include merging 10 public sector banks into four, which unions say would affect jobs. India's economy has already faced a slowdown in recent years, which has led to privatization and job losses across the country. The government has warned that workers may face consequences, including wage deduction, if they join the protest. These strikes come as the Modi government passed a controversial nationality law that has seen widespread protest from students. In total, labor leaders say that 250 million protesters joined the strike. Thousands of workers are striking in France, leading to a transportation shutdown. Industrial action against President Emmanuel Macron's pension reform has brought ground, train and air transportation to a halt. Among other changes to the plan, the new rules would require people to work longer hours. Air traffic and rail was paralysed by workers walking off of the job. Unions have paralysed other sectors of the economy as well. This comes as the Yellow Vest protesters still go on, now with renewed vigour by being joined by the unions. Tensions are still high in the Middle East as Western plane inspectors are demanding entry into Iran to inspect the Ukrainian flight that crashed last week. All 176 passengers of the Ukraine International Airlines passenger flight were killed, many of them Iranian and Canadian citizens. U.S. media and intelligence claim that the plane was downed by anti-air missiles, possibly done by accident. Iran has just announced that the plane was shot down accidentally during the heightened tensions following the assassination of its top general by the U.S. Both American and Canadian communist parties have condemned the strikes by Donald Trump while also rejecting the Iranian regime. Workers met at the Cannon Street Hotel in London to mark the 100th anniversary of the founding of the now-dissolved Communist Party of Great Britain. Those gathered said that their immediate priority is to challenge reactionary Tory policies. They say a working-class party is needed as much as ever if the Labour movement is to hold its ground and advance. Coming up, we will have Maggie Hansen talking about the MTT as well as the current Australian bushfire crisis. I'm speaking to um, Maggie, uh, Maggie Hansen or Maggie. Uh, we'll call you Maggie for now. And the reason we've caught, brought you in today, Maggie, is obviously because you are um, on the steering committee of the MTT and you are in Australia. And of course, those are the first two things we'd like to speak to you about, sort of uh, about the MTT. And then, of course, this situation in Australia right now in relation to the bushfires. Yeah, uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, welcome, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, great. So, yeah, the first thing, um, the MTT. Um, what is the MTT? Well, it's um, called the MTT as a Marxist think tank, and we're trying to uh, do Marxism in a different way, I suppose. Marxism with 21st century characteristics. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so online, digital. Yes. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. All of that. It's just new. We want to keep the good foundation of Marxism, but bring it into uh, using the tools that we have available to us now. And okay. it happened in Chile a little bit. There was a project, Cybersyn, where they were trying to use pre-internet, but a precursor to that, where they were looking to uh, use distributed decision support systems to manage the economy and get instant feedback from the enterprises okay. and what happened. So this is very much what we're trying to do with our tools available to us now. Interesting. And interesting. unfortunately, it, it didn't proceed in, in Chile because of what happened in Chile with the coup and everything. But, was it like Allende um, and Pinochet? Yes, yes. But it was um, producing excellent results in the day. And, okay. And uh, Pinochet dismantled all that, of course. Interesting. So that's called CyberSyn? Yes, Project CyberSyn. Yes, Project CyberSyn. A, a C-Y- B-E-R-S-Y-M. Okay, okay, very interesting. Um, and and in terms of in terms of the MTT, uh, yes. why are you interested in something like the MTT uh, as well as the CyberSyn kind of thing? Well, um, yeah, we're just um, looking to do um, look at the conditions. You know, they're just so calling out for change, aren't they? Everywhere, all around the world, people are really dissatisfied with capitalism. It's just not delivering. And not only that, it's costing us our planet. Um, so we, we need to come up with new ideas. And we want to connect with other people um, who have these really good ideas, but a little bit left field, hopefully left field, um, just to, to throw the ideas around, test them out, see how they go. Um, yeah. People from all sorts of backgrounds. Mm. So the, the current MTT and the current... Uh, sort of body and, and where you see it. This is all online, so it's not geographically bound, is it? No, it's not geographically bound at all. Um, and it's like communism. We're internationalists. We want to uh, improve the conditions of all people everywhere. Mm, I see. And but I also think you can work locally. You have to have your feet on the ground too in the working class. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we have to reach out and you know work with. Um, whoever we can. Yeah. Okay. And, and in terms of the MTT, what do you want it to become, and what do you want it to do? What will it? What will it? What's the vision? Yeah. Um, it's um, early days, and um, <clears throat> we don't know what direction it will take. But we just hope it will take off, and new people will come in, and it will grow, flourish with new ideas. Um, we will mm. test them in on the ground in different places where applicable um, through, you know, software. We're getting lots of computer people involved in this. Um, so depending on the what's happening on the ground will depend mm. on the result or de- de- defend on the um, um, solution, you know. It will not be the same thing for each place. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, why should people get involved with the MTT? And what can they do, you know, if they reach out to the MTT what can they achieve? What can they hope to um, find or do? Oh, um, yeah, computer people. We need anyone with um, computer backgrounds. Um, uh, but artists, uh, uh, performers as well, um, theoreticians, you know, people who've already um, involved in, in theory and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need practically everyone because there's a, a role for everybody. I think in, yeah. in the MTT, yeah. uh, we need to make propaganda. Um, we need to uh, 
make entertaining education as well. You know, there's a whole lot of things to do. Mm. So it's, it's at the moment, it sounds obviously, as you say, it's early days. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, yeah, so it sounds like a platform. It's sort of like a, an opportunity for exactly. anyone with any sort of skills to come in mm-hmm. and build That's right. something. That's right. Uh, I suppose to put things into a context, um, you are in Australia right now. Yes, yes. We're in the middle of all the bushfires. Um, we're in, in Sydney. Sydney itself has been safe from the bushfires, except for a few sort of isolated ones uh, nearby. But um, north of Sydney, south of Sydney, terrible situations. Terrible, really, really you know, m- big towns destroyed and uh, lots of, oh, at least, um, must be getting onto 3,000 houses now, um, gone and just mm, half a billion animals incinerated. Half a billion animals. Yes, exactly. Some of them would be farm animals and some of them would be native animals. And a lot of the native animals are already endangered. So, yeah, I, I mean, what which, which has this affected any of the endangered animals and to what, to what extent? Yes. I mean, it's... yes. We think, yeah, the koalas, for one. It's really, very what's possible. Well, it'll, at least a, a third of the koala population, which is kind of already endangered, is now you know, gone. And and I'm pretty sure there's sort of communities like um, subspecies of koalas that are extinct right. and other marsupials, they'll be um, just gone because right. it, it's just little pockets of them here and there. Yes. And if that pocket yeah. has gone up in flames, they're gone. It's wow. just That's tragic. That, tragic. That, is, that is terrible. Yeah. So koalas might be wiped out by this. I mean, yeah. I have, obviously, I'm sure people have also heard some of the numbers and statistics and sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the news coming out. Uh, but how big are these fires? I mean, uh, the actual size, uh, you know, obviously they're all over the place, but I've heard some stories of uh, that these are really big, but how big are we talking? Well, um, about a week or two ago, I heard that they were the size of Belgium. And, uh, but that's a week ago. We've had some really bad fires since then, so I'm sure it's a lot bigger. Um, so it's hundreds of thousands of square miles. Um, right. gone and the trees, the houses, the animals, um, the businesses and what have you, the communities have gone. Um, there was a fire up north and up north in New South Wales is a so-called alternative community. It's got a long time sort of, um, being there since the seventies and a lot of people would buy into that area or move up there from interstate and what have you, because they like the alternative right. lifestyle. Yeah. And, um, this one of the communes is completely gone with with deaths as well. Um, really? The people say they will go back and start again, but a, a lot of people are not going to go back because they're just too traumatised. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's very emotionally yeah um, gruelling to go through such a thing. And the thing with fire is it's so unexpected too, in the sense that you know if you live next to a river, you might get flooded sometimes but at least you you know it's a, a risk whereas with fire it's very unpredictable because of, there can be no fires and then suddenly there's a fire because an ember has flown in on the wind and and, mm. and there's a lightning strike um in the region and there's the occasional arsonist too of course but um i, I think that there's a lot of natural causes and and the other thing that the land is so dry because we've been in drought for many many years mm. um and the I really don't know what state the water table is in because um, 
it seems that the government's been flogging off water to mm-hmm. to various interests, mining and big what, what interests? Coal, um, mining, there's a, the Adani coal mine um, has been granted approval here and mm. they have the rights to billions of litres of water. Mm. And there's the, the rice growers have been um, buying water and you can see the water sitting on their farm in, in dams. Um, mm. But the rivers, like the Clarence River, is basically empty up. Um, mm. Seen photos of that it's just like nothing, and so, yet um, these they're hoarding water for their rice, which we shouldn't be growing in this country because it's or in the location where it is grown in this country because it's not it's very water intensive when we as a country you're quite a dry like, country yeah yeah very very dry we should be looking at other crops and not rice and they're um, and they're, of course they're exporting that rice or is it for local consumption. Uh, probably exporting it. There would be some for local consumption, but um, yeah, it's just they'll just sell to whoever's paying the high money. Mm. They're not going to so think it's, of the locals. Ex- they're yeah, looking so after the locals for the water, so they're not going to look after the locals for the rice. I didn't know about the sediment. So, yeah, I mean, of course, you said there's been a drought for a long time. The water table has obviously potentially been affected by that, and there's lots of water being given to the mining sector and to the, the yes. farming. Um, okay, so in, in terms of uh, compared to the normal bushfire season, because uh, I know that yeah. in certain, par- certain parts of the world, you know, there is a natural fire season. That's compared right. to the normal bushfire season, how much bigger is this? Uh, no one has ever seen anything like this before. Um, we've had fires always in Australia. I remember as a child, you know, we had bad bushfires. Um, mm. But they are in one region – and for one day, and we call it Black, Win- oh, Black Friday or Ash Wednesday or, um, mm. you know, they've got a name for the day that it happened and sometimes yeah. a town might get wiped out or half a town might get wiped out. Or, you know, there have been terrible tragedies in, in fires in Australia's history, but there's never been at this scale. At this scale is really monumentally magnified. Okay, and what can be done to stop it from happening again? You know, once hopefully when it, it all calms down, uh, what are people suggesting? What are experts saying and what, what's the government saying to try and prevent this from happening again? Oh, look, you, nothing will happen under this government. We need a complete mm. di- different change of government, absolutely. Mm. Um, and someone that, you know, has policies based on science. And the other problem in the government is that they're a bunch of happy clappers from one of the Pentecostal churches are in, involved mm-hmm. in the church. And it's just like they are actually, you can see them thinking, oh, this is all God's punishment. Um, we'll be right because the rapture will, you know, bring on the rapture and we'll be okay. Really? It, it's really that bad. These people are so that much out of touch. And there's a whole group of them in the government. They're not all like that. There's Some of them are pretty disgusted with the others as well. But right. there's a whole bunch of them in positions of power that actually hold to these views. And that's why they don't believe in climate science and all of that as well because, you know, it's, it's against God's will. Yeah. So you've got these superstitious idiots who are very close to positions of power or in positions of power. And yeah. – and it's not good. And you really can't have people like that in government. Can't. Right. Fair enough. And in terms of solutions from outside of government, what, what, what do you think <sighs> can be done? Well, 
yeah, we need more more science and and what have you. But they've also slashed really badly slashed the CSIRO, which was our science organisation. Um, mm. We really need a lot of more funding on public service as well, because and the fire brigades, the fire services, emergency services, they've all been cut too. So they need not only do they need their funding restored, they need much more funding anyway, mm. um, which is what they were asking for when they tried to meet with uh, the prime minister. They were asking for better funding and more equipment, um, planes that bomb water over the fires and things like that. No, they know what they need and we should listen to them. You know, the government should be listening to them right from the word go and not thinking, um, yeah, this small government business (laughs) is rubbish. (laughs) That's what the governments are there for. They're meant to look after the, the, the country, the people, you know, make the resources, spread them where they're needed. And they're oh. desperately needed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does sound like a, a very, very difficult situation. So uh, hopefully we do get those rains in February and uh, hopefully, oh. you know, the, the science of the matter can take precedence and yes. we can prevent it in the future. Hopefully they come up with those, implement the, the suggestions that, that make sense that are scientifically proven. Um, yes. All right. I guess that's our, our session for today. Maggie, thank you so much for, for having us and uh, thank you for, for joining us. Um, obviously very interesting discussion with the MTT as well as the the situation in Australia so um, thank you very much uh, Maggie thank you we have Paul Cockshot with us now Uh, welcome Paul Um, just a introduction of yourself there Paul Uh, who you are and where you are I'm a computer scientist who originally trained in economics and I've been a a leftist since I was a schoolboy. Um, I'm now in my late 60s. I'm probably best known politically for having written the book Towards a New Socialism, which was drafted in the Gorbachev period as an idea for an alternative strategy for the perestroika. Uh, to that which was being put forward by Gorbachev. This was prior to the collapse of the Soviet Union, we wrote it, and we tried to get it published in Russia, but didn't get it published till many years later. But that that's the main thing I'd be known on, and it is a book polemicising how computer science techniques can be applied to running a socialist economy, or rather a combination of computer science techniques and very literal reading of Marxist economics. All right. And and you are currently in the UK? I'm in the UK, yes. I'm a retired academic, formerly from the University of Glasgow. Um, So we'll we'll touch on briefly, obviously, with the the MTT. So uh, what is the MTT? Well, it's in very early stages at the moment. It's a, a group that's been set up to try and carry out theoretical Marxist propaganda uh, on the internet, um, both theoretical propaganda and news and current affairs commentary. Within the MTT, the, the Marxist think tank, obviously, as you say, it's early stages. Um, one of the projects is the is a green five-year plan for the UK. Uh, what exactly is, is that? Well, there is a lot of talk on the liberal left about Green New Deals. And in November, I was attending a conference in London 
talking about economic planning. And the other sessions there were largely devoted to environmental crisis and responding to it. And it struck me that the people who were talking in these had grossly underestimated the complexity and scale of the shift that's required to move to a post-fossil fuel economy. And they, they'd, they were seriously underestimating the scales of investment, the scales of reorganization of the labor force that would be, be required. And it struck me the only way to present this in a way that would be convincing is actually to do a concrete exercise of constructing a maybe a what first stage of a five-year one five-year plan would probably require a 10-year time period but a five or a 10-year plan to shift from a current fossil fuel economy towards a, a zero carbon emission economy and to try and apply the mathematical techniques that were developed in the late Soviet period to analyze what would have to be done to achieve this, what um, shifts in resources, labor power, etc., would be required. Okay. Um, at the moment, when I was sort of thinking of figures in these sessions. Um, for so this is, this is in the session while you're in, the, in November? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do rough back of the envelope calculations of what I knew about the capital intensity of UK industry, what would be required to both close the trade gap and stop the use of fossil fuels. And it struck me that the figures people were naming were far too low. Uh, so which, which which people were um, in these? These states? were Labour Party, left Labour Party people predominantly. Okay. Momentum. Momentum. And they were falling short on what, sorry, on, on projections as to how much capital would be required to, to re, uh, reposition the economy, to decarbonize it. A number of them were. One or two people had a different view. Um, they, they were taking into account what, what it would really mean if you stopped um, having a car-based or road-based transport system. I mean, I mean, it's really difficult because you have to think how many ton miles are currently shifted by lorry around the country. I have no idea. And I don't know that. I've got to find that out. Or we've got to find it out. Mm. Um, you then have to say, if those ton miles are no longer shifted by lorry, how are they going to be shifted? You have to come up with concrete different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, you have to know what is the capacity in ton miles of the railway system? Mm -hmm. How much extra railway lines would they have to build? Mm -hmm. um, the figures that are being given for the, the HS2 line, the only big railway line they're currently constructing from London to Birmingham and Manchester are huge. Mm -hmm. And that is just one passenger line. I if see. you're going to, to, to completely replace the motorway network as a means of shifting freight, for example, that's a very large sum. But I don't know how large the sum is. I've got to, we've got to work that out. I suppose we're touching into the the how, um, you know, how do you change it? What needs to be changed? Um, but obviously, I think perhaps some people would like to know sort of why. I mean, I know it might be obvious to us, um, but why do you think it's so important to switch and to make uh, uh, this huge change to the UK economy? There are different timescales you can look at that at. One is that 
it's clear that the period of fossil fuel economy is essentially self-limiting. Even if it were not for climate change, you would run out of fossil fuels. Right. But the scale of the climate change that is predicted is such that if you continue using fossil fuels, you are effectively saying that billions of people will be consigned to starvation. Even in Great Britain? Uh, across the world. And it, it appears, it appears that if anything, the estimates of the degree of climate forcing produced by carbon dioxide are slightly on the low side. Changes are happening at the upper end of the IPCC projections. Now, if you look at what the papers coming out on agricultural productivity shifts that will occur as a result of climate change, it's clear that major areas that are currently producing a lot of the world's food will have big declines in agricultural productivity. We're already seeing this now with Australia, which has historically been a major food exporter. Mm. And its agriculture is basically going down the tubes as a result of uh, aridity. If you look at the projections for climate in North America, most of the, the South and the Midwest of the United States is going to suffer from extreme water stress. A lot of agriculture will become very marginal. Mm. You'll get dust bowl conditions again. Now, this is, these are projections if we go above the 1.5 limit. And at current um, emission rates, we only have about 10 years of current emission before we'll be above that limit. So we basically have 10 years. We have 10 years, yes. Right. And that's not taking into account the positive feedbacks from extra carbon that's being emitted by forest fires, extra carbon being emitted by tundra fires, etc. So in terms of the coming back to the, the green five-year plan, um, how far along is the plan at the moment? Uh, I well, know it's early days. So, so at where, the where moment, we, we don't have a proper team together. Okay. I mean, all the work's being done by me. People have said they'll help, but we haven't actually uh, succeeded in getting anyone to undertake any other definite task. I have one or two volunteers who have said they'll do things in the spring. So everything at the moment is is what I'm doing. Gotcha. And what I'm doing is trying to construct the base statistics that would be required using the five-year planning software I developed over the last two years to construct such a plan. And for that, you need a model of the existing structure of the economy as an input-output model, but also an input-output model with detailed capital stocks, how much capital investment is required in each industry to sustain its current level of output. And I have been working on developing that matrix. Uh, in the process, I realized that the um, demonstration software that I wrote for educational purposes a year or two ago is not doesn't have enough um, features in it to handle details that you get in a real economy because most importantly I had left out foreign trade I had uh, constructed a, a, a planning system for planning an autarkic economy 
I see. Okay, so yes, yeah, so a, a, a cut-off economy. Yes, self-sufficient. That's my, uh, my my task at the moment, having constructed the capital stock matrix and the flow matrices for the British economy, using the latest data I had, which was 2015. I now have to work on the the systems of equations that you would need once you build in foreign trade, which I hadn't built in to, to my software before. So and you need to develop one that is, it does include foreign trade. It, I need one that includes foreign trade, and I then need to be able to to build one which has built-in carbon dioxide constraints. Now, one of my PhD students, I'm still supervising a couple, um, is has been working on applying carbon constraints to simplified models of the type I um developed a couple of years ago. So he's been doing that and looking at how different socialist pricing policies should be combined with carbon constraints. Mm -hmm. And when he's finished that, he may be able to help. I think, to be honest, uh, we do have now an outline of uh, your green five-year plan and um, you know what the MTT is trying to do and what, uh, you know, this project is very important and pretty big and will require some help so I yes. do hope people listening have had the chance to understand, uh, at least in some sense, what you what you want to do and what needs to be done. And uh, if they are interested in um, getting in touch and trying to contribute and working towards this, they can look for of the MTT on Facebook, and uh, yes. we will coordinate and try and work from there to build start this project. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, thank you very much for your contributions today. Okay, Richard, thanks. Thank it's been much. a pleasure. And that is our podcast this week. You can catch the Marxist Think Tank podcast on SoundCloud every Monday. The news tips or to get in touch with us, please email admin at marxistthinktank.org. You can also join and contribute to Marxist Think Tank on Facebook. This podcast is produced by Reggie Truman and I'm Oscar Bastille. You've been listening to the MTT. Thank you.